Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Hallelujah. You can all take your seats. Sure is good to see everybody here this morning. Kind of. I can't see anything, but by faith you're out there. Oh, thank you, Aaron. Um, really good to see everybody here, and I believe that this morning's message, and possibly next week, I'm not sure yet whether this is going to turn into a two-part series or not, but uh, I've called this message, Peace on a Peaceless Planet. How many people know that the world needs peace? But has the world ever achieved peace? No. <laughs> Will the world ever achieve peace? Probably not like we're expecting it. And Jesus said that in this world, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation. But he said this, he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? We're celebrating here in Australia tomorrow, which is uh, the 25th of April tomorrow. We're celebrating a day called Anzac Day. And uh, the reason we're celebrating now, the 25th of April, 1915, there was a group of 140 brave men that went ashore on the Gallipoli Peninsula, i got to say that, Gallipoli Peninsula, <laughs> in five boats from the 7th Battalion. And out of those 140, there were only 38 that were going to make it without getting wounded or mortally uh, wounded or killed. Uh, before that battle was finished on the, on the 20th of December uh, of that year, there would be uh, over 7,600 Australians that would be killed or mortally wounded, and 2,500 New Zealanders killed or mortally wounded. They didn't make it. And our motto for tomorrow for Anzac Day, which stands for Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, uh, our, our motto is, lest we forget. And that war, World War I, was the war to end all wars. At the end of that, because of all the death, the carnage, and the crime, the mothers grieving over their sons and everything else, uh, at the end of that, Humanity said, that's enough. Uh, this is the war to end all wars. We've had enough of this, lest we forget. Let's just remember the pain of this, and let's let future generations remember the pain of this so that we're not stupid enough to do it again. But come around 1939, 1940, humanity did it again. They were stupid enough to go back, fight over things, send off the young people to war so that hundreds of thousands, millions, in fact, of people uh, could die, all for the sake of peace, which never happened. Well, we stand today, 2022, in a world where, guess what? Lest we forget, well, we must have forgotten, because here we go again, and again, and again, and again. The kind of peace that Jesus promises is not that carnal human beings with the sin nature in their heart are somehow going get, to get along with one another and stop killing one another. 
That's not going to happen. In fact, it's going to get worse toward the end. I hate to break the bad news to you, but you read the book of Revelation, and toward the end there, the, the horses that, get, that come out in the uh, sixth chapter of Revelation, the four horsemen, uh, it's, it's carnage. It's just the end of the, uh, toward the end times, there's going to be carnage because of the heart of humanity. But it's not all lost. Today's message is actually good news. Uh, it's not something that we need to get our eyes focused on people dying in wars, lest we, we forget. We'll remember them, and we'll remember the Anzacs with great honor for uh, losing their lives and, and, and the ultimate sacrifice. But can there be peace on a peaceless planet? Yes, there can, but not that kind of peace. And this morning's message, I believe, will lead you into a place where you can have peace in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of trouble, which Jesus says there's going to be trouble in your life. You can't avoid that. This morning's message, really, it centers around the fact that in order to have peace, you have to have fighting or there has to be conflict. You see, there is a price tag when it comes to peace. You have to fight to enter God's rest, the Bible says. There is a price to peace, and the price tag is quite high. In fact, most things that are valuable, I've noticed in life that if something is valuable, then uh, it's because it's, it's, there's a high price on it. Any, anything at all of value, the more valuable the ring is, the price tag goes up on the ring, the diamond ring. Hello, ladies. Uh, go and get a Rolex watch versus some cheap copy in Bali or something like that, and you'll see there's a tremendous difference in price because one is the real deal and one has incredible value. Therefore, the price goes up with that. That's the same way it is with peace. There's always sacrifice with, with peace. There's always conflict to get into peace. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is how do we, how do we get the peace of God? How do we, in the middle of a world that seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, how do I find peace in the middle of a troubled or a peaceless world? In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul spent two years in a Roman prison from which he wrote most of the letters that we would call in the New Testament the epistles, epistles, just a, um, a fancy word <laughs> for a letter. And, and, and he writes these letters to us, which are some of the most profound, insightful letters into the will of God that you could ever read. I really encourage you to dive into uh, the epistles by, by St. Paul. They're incredible. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, those, those letters give profound insight into God's will and how you can walk in God. And while he's in prison for two years, he has Roman guards surrounding him. And he looks at these Romans day in, day out, as he's in this jail cell. He's in the middle of the mighty Roman Empire. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Gladiator. It's uh, 2000 with Russell Crowe in it. I just love that movie because they did such a great job with special effects and, and bringing back what Rome looked like back in its heyday. And you can see all the, the Colosseum and all the monuments and things that they built, the statues to the emperors and all of that. In Gladiator, uh, Marcus Aurelius is the emperor. 
and uh, it's, it's uh, Russell Crowe that plays Maximus, and he's, he's kind of the chief general in their army, and he gets demoted by Commodus, who's played by Joaquin uh, Phoenix, and Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin, I think his name is pronounced, uh, you know, he hates the fact that Maximus, which is Russell Crowe, such a legend and such a hero. And with, with all of that, he demotes him when his dad dies, when uh, Marcus Aurelius passes away. If you remember the movie, it's, it's a good movie. I won't spoil the whole movie, but uh, it just brings out what the Roman soldiers look like. And if you could behold a Roman soldier, and you know what they look like probably through the movies, they were awesome looking. They had a helmet on, they had horse hair, that stood up and made them taller than they were. They had a, a, a breastplate covering their, their midsection. And it didn't matter what the guy looked like. He could have a one-pack. One you know what I mean, man? Most of us have a one-pack. Uh, when he put on that breastplate, he didn't have a six-pack. He had an eight-pack. He was like, well, cut. Must go to the gym every day. And he had a shield, which was actually a door shield, which was huge. It covered not just his body, but it was like a whole covering with hinges on it that would just interlock with the shields next to it. And all of these, all of this armor, he had a sword which was incredible for close fighting mainly that, to, to stab people. Most of their battles weren't just joust from a distance. They got in scrums. They, the armies, vast armies, they interlocked when they collided. They, they formed a scrum and it was inside fighting all the way. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul, looking at this Roman soldier, studying Rome and, and probably hearing incredible stories of warfare, he studies a soldier and he draws this parallel between the Roman soldiers that he's watching and the Christian soldier, which is you and I. I want to go to Romans chapter, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to look at peace on a peaceless planet. It is Anzac weekend, like I said, over here in Australia. And I want to look at what we're going to look like to achieve peace in our hearts, mainly. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, finally. And the finally, you have to read what's before that. We're not going to do that right now for the sake of time. But he comes to the the end of his, of his letter, all of his instruction, and he finally makes this final statement, and I, and I believe that it echoes through the corridors of time into us, our hearts today, our ears. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I, I can't get past just this verse here, Ephesians 6.10. Be strong, not in yourself, not in your own strength, not in your onesie, not, not in your financial prowess, if it's in the financial area, not, not in your relational ability and your ability to counsel, not, not in your own strength and your own power. Be strong in the Lord. And if that's not enough, and in His might, in His power, in His ability, not, not your own, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor, verse 11, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
often people don't believe in the devil. They don't believe he exists. And I know that's one of his tactics. It's to be the invisible man that hits you when you can't see it because, well, after all, that's silly to believe that there's a, a real devil and, and that he's got schemes. And, you know, we know that the world can have peace and that the spiritual thing doesn't exist. That's what people's, that's, that's what people's thinking is. So we as believers, we get mocked. Paul would have got mocked writing a letter like this today. But we, lest we forget, we need to go back and, and read Paul's letters lest we forget and to realize that there is a real devil. He does have schemes. His, his main scheme, his main tactic is deception. It's, it, his main tactic is to get people to believe that he doesn't exist so that he can just wallop them right in the side of the head or stab them in the back because they don't even believe that he's real. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, I like the old King James, it says, we wrestle not. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, as soon as you see your fellow human being as your enemy, you've lost. You're fighting the wrong battle. You will never have peace if you're looking at other people as the enemy because they're looking at you as the enemy. And pretty soon, we're all each other's enemy. And it doesn't take long before governments rise up and nation against nation, cultures against culture. You look different than me. You're not, one, you're not like me. Therefore, you must be the enemy. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But I want to take note of something, too. We don't wrestle anyway. I like the fact that four times in this letter, as we go through it, you'll see that he says to stand. He only talks about wrestling once, and it's not in a good way. You, you and I are not going to win this victory on our butt. In fact, most sporting events, to kick goals, to score tries, to score baskets, to score anything in most sports, you got to be on your feet. You've got to be standing. You're not going to win sitting down. You're not going to win wrestling, and I thank God for that. I was, wasn't all that good at wrestling. We had to wrestle in high school. It was just part of what you did. In fact, it was rather embarrassing because uh, once a year, you'd have to have a wrestle-off in front of the whole school in the gymnasium. If you weren't good, it didn't matter. You had to do it. And, and I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, who am I going to have to wrestle? I had to wrestle the captain of the wrestling team. I wasn't on the wrestling team. I didn't want to wrestle. I wasn't trained in wrestling, and I didn't wrestle every week in competition like he did. And it was a little bit like gladiator in front of all the school in the gymnasium with all these mats put out there, you had to show how bad you were. As all the people cheering, mainly the girls and the, and the guys that lost already, yelling abuse at you while you're wrestling, how, how humiliating it was. And when I read this, I, and Paul says, we wrestle not, I went, that's me, man. I could box okay, but get me on, you know, get me on a mat. I'm no good, no good at all. And I was very thankful that he talks about standing on your feet four times in a good way. We're supposed to do that, but wrestling only once, and he says, don't do that. This armor is meant to be used standing up. 
put on all that armor, and it weighs something. I don't know how much that weighs, but I know in other armor. I've seen Henry VIII's armor in uh, London, and if they fell off their horse and, into some water, they were going to drown. They weren't going to get up with all that on. It was there to protect them from and jousting and from swords and arrows and all the rest of it, but it would have been lousy trying to wrestle all, all that armor and trying to swim in it. You're not going to swim in it. You're going to drown. Uh, all, all of that armor was meant for one thing. It was meant to stand. And the armor that God gives us, this spiritual armor, which he draws as parallel with the Roman soldier, you have to stand in this armor. You're not going to wrestle in this armor. Neither are you going to cut and run with this armor because as many of you know, there's no armor on the back side. You turn your back, you're going to get it in the back, and you're going to die. This armor is a full frontal armor, including the big door shield, which they put in front of them. So he says here, our struggle's not with flesh and blood, verse 12, but against the rulers, and he gives the hierarchy of the spiritual forces which are against us. But against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Satan has a hierarchy, he has a strategy, he has a military uh, army of demons that are out there to deceive humanity. They're doing a great job to get in your ear, to convince you that your fight is against flesh and blood, other human beings, to get people hating each other, to get them offside, to get them to walk in unforgiveness and all of these things that we spend a lot of time talking about and trying to incorporate into our world. Verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not, not if the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes. Have you ever had an evil day? You know what I'm talking about? It's a day where you think, oh man, I don't know, I must, must have woke up on the wrong side of the tracks, I don't even want to face today. It's like negativity pouring in, darkness everywhere you look, it's like your eyes get red, you, you, you don't even know whether you can survive the day, it's an evil day. Well, that evil day's coming from somewhere. Paul says this, he says, that you may be able, if you put on the full armor of God, remember, put on... Put on the armor of God. It's not just to put on. It's, it's not make-believe. This is real. I, I often will think about my helmet of salvation because thoughts try to get into my head. You might, the way you're acting and thinking, you're not even saved. Have you ever had that one? Oh, yeah. I think all of us, both hands should go up, to be quite honest. <laughs> What's the solution? You've got to have something protecting your thought life. And that breastplate, what does it cover? It covers your heart. Because out of the heart flows the issues of life. And, and Jesus says this, protect your heart with all diligence. Because out of it flows the issues of life. So what's the solution to your heart? It's a breastplate of righteousness. We'll look at what that means in a moment. But before an arrow can get stuck in or a dagger from the enemy can get stuck into your helmet or, or your heart, your head or your heart, you've got a shield out in front called the shield of faith to, to quench all the fiery darts of 
the wicked one. Fiery darts are thoughts that are hurled your way, trying to, to, to get into your thinking, trying to get into your heart, trying to, to get you in, in every area of, of your life. This big door shield that the Roman soldiers had, they had locked these things together. They weren't out there fighting by themselves. It's not like a jousting match and your other mates way over there. No, they locked their shields together to form a, a wall. And that's where the body of Christ comes in. That You're not out there. People go, oh, you don't have to go to church. Well, I say this often, but, you know, being nice today, because it's Anzac Day tomorrow, <laughs> you get to go to church. You get to lock your shield in with the shield of the person next to you on both sides. You get to form a wall. Uh, a shield of faith is not just your shield. It's everybody's shield protecting one another so that none of us get taken out because we need one another. Soldiers fighting in Gallipoli and soldiers fighting anywhere, they know the, the value. Even sports know the value of team. It, together, everyone achieves more. It's not, a, it's not a, a, an individual event. This is a team event. In fact, it goes further. This is a body event. You can't say to the hand, I don't have need of you if you're the foot or whatever other body part. We need each other. We have to cover each other. We have to protect each other. That shield of faith is out there for that. Every part of this armor speaks about us as the body of Christ. Every part of it. But we have to stand. Therefore, put on the full armor that you can stand, so that on the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm with the belt of truth. Oh, I like that. I'm, I, I really hadn't meant to go into every piece of armor. It's kind of not the message, but because I think, well, I've got next week, so we'll just be back. <laughs> I like how Everything hinges on the belt. The belt holds up everything. I have a belt on underneath this. It's holding up my pants. Now maybe, yeah, praise God. You know, I could not agree more. Praise God. Although, we'd probably get a lot more hits on YouTube if, you know. <laughs> All the people that make fun of pastors, they'd have a field day with that one. It'd be my last day of ministry. What a way to retire. I didn't just bare my heart. Never mind. I'm going to go there. Uh, <laughs> but that belt, it's, it's truth. What is the truth of this situation? What, what is the, the truth that's going to keep the breastplate on there and, and everything below the waist. What, is the, what, is, what does God say? God's word is truth. So that you don't get deceived and everything just falls off and you get stabbed or wounded mortally or whatever. It's all hold, held together by that belt of truth. I love that. And then he goes on to say, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, what we're talking about this morning, peace, is associated with your feet. In addition to all this, I'll just read this. 
bonus here, verse 16 and 17. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, talked about, which you, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul watches this Roman soldier for two years. He sees the truth is central. It's the belt that holds everything up. The breastplate protects your heart, which is righteousness. And then he watches, he watches the Roman soldier put on these incredible boots that he associates with peace. Now, the Roman battle boots were the best boots in, in, the, in the world at their time. They were incredible. They put a lot of effort into making these boots. Now, the reason for that is because we're supposed to stand. They had to stand. They had to stand for long hours. Like most armies today, the Roman soldiers had to march great distances with a lot of weight. The door shield wasn't light. It was very, very heavy. It had cowhide and oil on it to put out the arrows that would come in, the fiery darts, because they used arrows dipped in bitumen back then. They'd light them on fire, hurl them, and you'd burn if you didn't have something to put that out. And these these door shields were incredibly heavy. The helmet was heavy. The breastplate was heavy. All, all of the armor of God, it's, it's a heavy thing, and it takes incredible stamina, and these boots were, were incredible. They had cleats in them. They were made out of leather, and, and the boots had, had a purpose to stand firm so that when they put the door shield out in front of them, that shield of faith that Paul likens to faith, when, they, when the Roman soldier would put that shield out and they'd lock in with the other soldiers and the scrum would happen and the enemy would start to push in there, there's nowhere for them to, to stab because that shield just protected them and they, they would drop down on, the, on their knees when the arrows would come in from the enemy and, 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 the, and the shield would cover them over the top kind of like a roof so that the arrows would just hit that thing and be quenched and they could stand up again and they could push just push together. The, the command would, would, would come out, push, and they would push. But if their feet gave way, if any of them would fall, then it meant that the other, other soldier on either side had to then not only carry their weight, they had to push with, with all their might to try to get that soldier that fell down to, to push them along as well. These boots were incredibly important. How, how, could you stand, how can you stand against the wiles of the devil for long periods of time? Because sometimes, let's face it, our evil day turns into an evil week. Sometimes our evil day turns into an evil month. Lest I keep going. Sometimes our evil day turns into an evil year. Long periods of time. How, how are you going to stand when you're assaulted with these, these lies, these fiery darts, you're accused of something, you enter into an arena where you have to fight your way out, you've got to stand up against things, and you think, woe is me. I've been there, and I believe you have too, and you're innocent, and, and, and you've done nothing wrong, but the, the fiery arrows just keep coming. You have to keep on walking. You have to keep on standing. Your boots, your, your peace is, is of the utmost importance because all the other armor, again, if you fall down, if your feet get taken out from under you, and that's true in most sports, 
Well, you're gone. So these boots would, would be laced up so that they protected the Roman soldiers' feet. They, they had, again, they were made, they were structured to have this firm grip so that they could march forward and they could go long periods of time and they could withstand long periods of evil days or the battle. They were, they were strong boots. The walk of the soldier was, was, was strong. Why? Because Rome wanted to establish peace. Not that they wouldn't fight the enemy. They would fight. They would go in and take territory. But they, the, the most important thing was to have peace in Rome. The citizens which voted for these people or appointed them and, and, and didn't rise up against them, they, 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 they wanted to make sure that there was peace in Rome, so what did they have to do? They had to fight. They had conflict, and they had to make sure that these Roman legions were well protected, well established. These boots. So why are these boots associated with peace? Well, peace is what keeps you standing. It's the, it's the techniques of, of battle with all of the armor that we talked about. Strength and stamina for the long haul. Protection in these boots. Protection against sharp things. I was in Vietnam quite a few years back and went to Hanoi, and I thought, I'll go to a, a military museum there. It was a history museum, and it was on all the wars that Viet, the Vietnamese fought against the French, uh, and then, of course, the Americans and, and the Anzacs, Australians and New Zealanders. And they had a, a relief map of Hanoi, and then they had all the battles that took place during when the French were trying to, they called them the invaders or the enemy. And one of the techniques, I was fascinated with this, that they used against the enemy, and it came down to Americans and Aussies and everybody, uh, is that they would take and, and dig a dig a ditch, a really deep ditch, at least, you know, a meter or so, and they put sharp sticks at the bottom of the ditch. And then they would put poison on the ends of, of these sharp bamboo sticks. And then they would cover that ditch up so it looked just like the trail. So the soldiers would walk along, and they're probably chatting about home and, you know, their girlfriends or something, and then, boom, where did Joe go? Whoa, Joe, screaming in agony as these sticks pierced up through their feet. Now, it not only took out the soldier who went into the ditch, but it took two soldiers then at least to carry that soldier out of the battle to safety. So they've eliminated three people automatically. That technique was mastered by the Romans. They would dig these ditches, put pointy, sharp things up there for the enemy, come along. These, these boots, to establish peace, they had to be strong boots, thick leather, so that if that tactic got used, it wouldn't penetrate and injure the soldier's feet. Peace is something that needs to be protected. Your walk has to be protected. You have to look after your feet really well. Feet being, again, your walk, your Christian walk, has to be protected just like your head and your heart. It has to be protected. And when he's talking about these, these boots, they weren't just for show. They were for protection. 
If he couldn't stand, that soldier couldn't fight anymore, and two others would be taken out as well. But also, the boots were one thing that most of us don't acknowledge. The boots were a weapon. You say, how, how, how could that possibly be? The, these boots had to be strong enough that if that soldier needed to kick down a door or kick something in, they weren't going to hurt their feet because they had Nike sneakers on or something or sandals. No, no, no. These, these boots had to be really, really protective in battle for offensive. When I used to work uh, some of my casual jobs, put myself through college in America and then Bible school, I'd have these summer jobs, and one of them was the factory at Ford for a, for a summer. And I had to wear these steel-toed boots. The steel toes were in case some metal thing fell on them, and I, I wouldn't uh, sue the company because I got, got my toes cut off or something. But I have a very wide foot, and these boots, the only boots I could find were always narrow, and, and they'd always say this, it's, oh, don't worry, the boot will stretch out as you walk on it. The steel toe never stretched out. It always hurt. It was so painful standing long hours on the assembly line the engine, in the engine plant in, in Detroit, just standing there, and, these, and my feet would just ache like crazy, but it was the importance of those boots to protect my feet. These Roman soldiers had to do battle. They often, they were kicking. And, I, and often we don't see that peace has to be fought for. Now, I don't fight just any old fight. In fact, I'm not a fighter anyway. I don't like to fight. I walk away. I talk my way out of it, whatever. So you've got a different opinion than me? Peace. Keep your opinion. Goodbye. I'm not an arguer because Jesus didn't, didn't come into the world to win an argument. He came into the world to win people, of which you and I are part of that. When I see people fighting and arguing over things, I just think, Wrong spirit, not the spirit of Christ. Yes, we can contend for the faith, but not that way. We're not contentious. But these boots, sometimes you had to kick a door down that needed to kick, kick, be kicked down. I, I, I noticed that Christians often, many people, ha have this view. It's, I call it just the open door, closed door view. Well, if it's God's will, there'll be an open door. Or you can call it the green light, red light. There's many versions of this. If God wants me to do it, then there will be a green light. Well, no. Not always. In fact, most of the time I find the door is shut, and you've got to kick that door down. You have to know God wants me to go through that door. If that's a wall, I've got to jump over that wall or go through that wall or, or whatever. It, when the door is open, I start to get suspicious. I think, I think old Lucifer's there opening some doors again so, so I can walk through the wrong door and, and choose the wrong thing in my life. Sometimes you've, you've, to establish peace, you have to kick some things down with your boot. You have to boot those things. I remember once I was in Auckland, New Zealand preaching way back in 85, I think it was, before I came over here. And I preached for um, John and Audrey Coleman, they had a church in Auckland, they were uh, Assemblies of God back then, and, and, and Pastor John 
was telling me this story not, not that long before I'd been there. He said, we have this neighbor, and, and this neighbor hated the fact that there's a church next door to him. He actually moved in after the church was established, and it's like complaining about uh, the mine <laughs> when you move next to the mine. Well, the noise is going to be there. Don't live next to a mine if you don't want noise. And the church was well established. The neighborhood kind of grew up uh, and grew around that. And so this neighbor started to complain to the police and the authorities about the noise from singing and everything else. And the church, the church had permits, and they were there. So he decided to take life into his hands, in his own hands. And so he got this big stereo system. This neighbor did with these big speakers. And every time the church would meet, he would put on ACDC, heavy metal, you know, you're on the highway to hell, you know, whatever. <laughs> church services, prayer meeting, didn't matter. Well, one day, one of the parishioners in the church had passed away. He was a member there. And he had been in the, he had been a colonel in the Israeli army and somehow found himself in New Zealand and he died. So they had the funeral for this former Israeli colonel and these SAS guys showed up, special forces from the Israeli army. There's a whole honor guard. They all they showed up at the funeral. And of course, right on cue, the friendly neighbor decided he was going to put on ACDC, loud heavy metal music, crank it up. And, and Pastor John said this, this really tall, all in uniform, special forces soldier came up to him and he said, what, what's going on? He said, oh, the neighbor, he doesn't want us there. And so every time we have a service, it doesn't matter if it's a funeral or a wedding or whatever, he just cranks that music up and he just won't stop. I've tried to talk, reason with him. I've tried everything I can. He's just adamant. We've got to move. And so this man, this special forces soldier, didn't say a word. He listened. And then maybe 10 minutes later, the music stopped. They didn't see the guy again, the special forces guy. He never came back to the funeral service. But the police showed up. And they said, we're looking for a tall guy. He's got a beret on, you know, dressed like whatever it was. I don't know if it's a red beret or whatever it was. But, uh, and, and, and there's a whole bunch of these guys with the same outfit on. And he goes, why? He said, oh, he went over and destroyed the neighbor's sound system. So it came back to the pastor not that long afterwards. He said this. He said he went over there, he tried to talk with the guy, and the guy told him this. He said this to, <laughs> to this special forces guy. He, 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 he said, uh, we're having a funeral for my mate, and can you please turn it down? The guy, guy goes, oh, it's, you know, it's a funeral for... And, and, and he says, what do I... This is the neighbor. He goes, what do I care about a dead Jew anyway? Not, not the right thing to say. Well, to anybody, let alone someone that's special forces in the Israeli army. That's all it took before the boots of peace got into action. And there was peace. 
There was peace from that point on. The neighbor's sound system was destroyed, permanently inoperable. Job done. Do you understand? Sometimes you've got to take your boot of peace. You think, oh, but it's peace. Sometimes peace takes a bit of conflict. So there's, a, there's a price tag when it comes to peace. Your peace isn't just going to, everybody's going to treat me nice now, and I'm going to have peace. And the whole world is going to live in harmony. And we'll get the Beatles to, to do, you know, do another song, and we're going to get some candles and hold each other's hands and sway back and forth. And there's going to be peace in the world, no more wars. We've learned our lesson, lest we forget. No, we haven't learned our lesson, world. It's going to continue on, but you can have peace in your heart. Now I'm going to close with this and we'll pick it up next week because I don't want to rush through what I've got left. But the connection, there's a big connection in the Bible between peace and righteousness. In fact, the Bible says this, it says, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There's a connection even though it doesn't look like it because the boots are way down there and the breastplate is way up here. There is a connection between keeping your peace in your heart protected and and keeping your boots firm on the ground that you have to walk on. That is an incredible connection that I can't wait to explore next week. So come back next week and dial in if you want to. And, and you'll fully understand, I believe, you'll, you'll start to, to see the connection between righteousness and peace. Before we go, the word righteousness means this. It means right standing. It's, it's the right to stand. What gives you the right to stand in the presence of God as if you'd never sinned? It's righteousness. Righteousness is your right standing with God. How did that right standing happen? It happened through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not by your works, lest you could boast boast about that. It's by His finished work on the cross that He says this about you. He says, you are not going to be. You are the righteousness of God In Christ Jesus, out of Christ Jesus, you're not the righteousness of God at all. But in Him, and we we read the beginning of Paul's letter in Ephesians there, and he says this, he says, put on the armor of God that in Him you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So my question this morning, it'll probably be the same question next week, Are you in Him or are you out of Him? Are you standing in Christ Jesus or are you standing outside of Him? At any given moment, you're either in Christ in your thinking, positionally, or you're out of Him, behaving as if you're not in Him. You're in yourself. And if you try to solve the evil day, in your own effort, in your own might, in yourself, 
you're going to get taken down and you're going to wrestle all night long. You're going to, you, you wonder, why can't I sleep at night? I'm just tossing and turning and wrestling. It's because you need to establish your righteousness in God, in your thinking. Grab a hold of that revelation and don't let the devil talk you into standing outside of him as if you're not in him and he's not in you. You've got no chance. You will not stand in your evil day if you stand outside of Christ. It's in him and in the power of his might it's his armor that you will stand or you will not stand so having said that I'd like us all to stand right here if you're at home and you can stand it's great if you're listening to the podcast and you're driving please don't stand (laughs) I'd like our um, worship team to come thanks and I'm going to pray because so many of us have fallen for the wiles of the devil. We've been deceived and tricked into thinking that peace is only going to come from from my behavior, from my good works. Nothing against good works follow a believer, but they don't precede. You're going to be a much better person because you're following Jesus. But make no mistake about it, your goodness... It'll never cut it. It's all about him. It's not about you. So as we stand here, and you might be grappling with some things, you know, you don't understand how, how does this work. Well, stay with stay with us on the journey. The penny will drop. Listen to the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube and, and open your Bible. Start to let the Spirit of God speak to you about the armor of God. Start to let him speak to you about peace and and start to ask yourself, how, how did I end up standing outside or wrestling outside of Him? To get back into Him is easy. really requires just two things. Repent, which means to turn around or change your mind. It's not hard. And to establish your position in, in Him as the Lord of your life. Stop being the Lord of your life. You've made a mess of it. You're, you're a lousy Lord. He's the best Lord. He's the only Lord. So stop, stop trying to be the Lord of your life. Somebody says, oh, Christianity's a crutch. Way more than a crutch. Way more. I'm not just leaning on Him. I'm standing in Him or I'm not standing at all. And when He stands strong on the inside of me, I've got peace. When I'm using Him as a crutch or... Just only when I need him. <laughs> There's not going to be any peace. You're going to wrestle, toss and turn, struggle, worry yourself to death, wonder why all these people are out to get you. They're actually not, but you'll think they are. You'll start fighting people. Don't contend that way. So repent of that. If that's you right now, why don't we close our eyes? I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you ask yourself, if you don't have peace right now, look at where you lost your righteousness. Ask yourself, where where did the fiery darts enter through my helmet of salvation and through my, how'd they get past the shield of faith? Well, I quit locking shields with other believers because I got offended. I just decided to go on my own little march and left myself open on the sides and the back 
Where did you lose your right standing, your right to stand in the evil day? How, how did it get to your heart and stab you in the, in the heart? Ask yourself that. Who is it? Who is it that got to me? Well, Father, I repent right now of anything that pierced my feet, my, my, my breastplate, my helmet, anything that got past my shield of faith. Whatever is not of faith is sin. What sin is. I turn right now. Get your shield locked in again with your fellow believer. Get yourself in church. If you're listening on YouTube and you're not in a local church, well, then you need to repent and go find yourself a church, honestly, because you're not going to survive on your own. You're going to be looking for something to fill that gap. It's not there. He is the only person that's going to fulfill your life. Change your mind on that. You'll find a church. Believe me, there's plenty of them out there in your world. Even little towns have multiple churches nowadays. So, Father, we thank you right now. I want you to pray this prayer after me if you dare to. But mean it. Say, dear God, I thank you that you are my righteousness, that you are my peace. I turn from, I repent of anything that's penetrated my heart, my thinking, or my walk. Jesus, I establish you as the Lord of my life. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. You're watching online. Have a great day. Share this message if you can. Come back next week. I've got a lot of stuff that I didn't touch on, and uh, I believe it's going to get better and better, uh, and you'll be truly walking in peace. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.